Jesus is starting out his ministry and he looks out over the crowds and he feels compassion for them. And he says, they're, they're helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They need help. And so he's sending his disciples out. And we've been talking about mission possible, that this is our mission as well, to reach, to restore, and to respond, to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them to go. We talked about going out into the harvest. And so kind of the key verse in this whole thing is in chapter 7, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. So there's an idea about going. So what happens now is he starts to give instruction to the disciples of just kind of brass tacks. Here's what you do. And the first section is Matthew 10 through uh, 10, 11 uh, through 15. And basically all that same. We're not going to read the whole thing. Um, but he's just saying, look, when you enter a town, just normal stuff. You go to a house that's going to accept you <laughs> like that's great. That's important, you know, and then give it your greeting. And then, then it goes on and, and w- watch what happens. Cause I can just picture the disciples. Let's go to verse 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. When you leave that home or town, I tell you the truth, it'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. Now, if I'm a disciple, I am stoked right now because here's what's happened. I, he's given the disciples the ability to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to cleanse lepers. That's cool. I want that. That's good. And now he's telling them, hey, when you enter a town, if they don't listen to you, just shake the dust off your feet. I, that would be awesome just to go, you know what? Forget you then. It'll be better for you than for Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> You're going down. You're going to be leveled. Yeah, I'm going to the next city. I wish we could stop there. I don't, really, but that would be cold. And Jesus says this statement here. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, if I have the power to raise the dead and cleanse lepers and heal the sick and cast out demons, and I'm also allowed to just go, forget you, I'm out of here. It doesn't sound like sheep among wolves. It sounds like wolves among sheep. I got all this divine power. I got lightning bolts flying out. I got all this kind of stuff going on. But Jesus starts this new section of the instructions that just keep going worse and worse and worse. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the two sides of the gospel. There's the side, the benefit side. That's awesome. I preach about it all the time, relationship with Jesus and how it can radically change your life. How you can have peace in the midst of uh, unbelievable trials and joy. And that you, there, you can be anxious for nothing. That you can, you can even, even when things are, look horrible, there's still no anxiety. But all this time we've been talking about these two kingdoms. The kingdom of earth, which is the one down here. The one we all see with our eyes and experience. The one where raises happen and we get fired and we, people die and... Uh, You know, all this kind of stuff going on. People get upset with us and, you know, and then there's this kingdom of heaven, which we don't see. It's unseen. And so uh, we get to this part and he says, look, I want you to know you got all this power. You can shake stuff off your feet. You can do all this stuff. But I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, 
they understand what's going on here. Because I think everyone understands that sheep don't do very well against wolves. I think we can all kind of agree on that. If you just take a sheep and you just put them in the middle of the pasture and there's some wolves, unless that sheep is like a ninja sheep, which knows all sorts of stuff, it ain't happening. So he starts on this thing about, man, well, what is this all about? Well, the Bible is riddled in the New Testament with, with these statements that you're going to be persecuted. That Remember, I've been saying all along, this, there's the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of heaven. They are at war. They are at war. And so persecution is going to come. First Timothy chapter three, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Nuts. <laughs> I don't like that. If you look at uh, Matthew chapter five, we've already gone through this. Blessed are those who are persecuted uh, for the, because of righteousness. For theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. As we operate in this kingdom, this kingdom's going to be at war with us. Now, we have to understand something because a lot of times we use the wor- word the world that, like there's some, like people who don't believe what we believe have all gotten together to destroy us. It's not that way. It's what hap- It's a natural function of sin. Okay, and so people act normally uh, like I do. When I sin, I act of this world. It says be in the world and not of it. And when I'm sinning, I'm of it. And so uh, it, it goes on in Matthew when we did the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all things about you. Remember that when we did the Beatitudes? First Peter 4.14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Listen, if I were to say to you, hey, do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Do you want more of God's spirit resting on you? Oh, yeah. I'll then get ready to be persecuted. Okay, yeah. Can I retract that and just make it I'd like a night? It's just the way it is. Jesus is beginning this speech and he's saying, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And then he says, therefore, because you've got this power, because you're preaching the kingdom of heaven is near, because you're operating up there in this world, therefore, here's what I want you to do. And I've, if you look on your outline, I've marked it up with uh, reach, uh, the word of our, fir- of our missions, the first word of our mission statement. Therefore, be resourceful. Matthew ten sixteen. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes. Boy, now we're getting back to the good part. Okay, cool. Whew. First we were sheep, now we're snakes. I'd rather be a snake than a sheep, okay? Me personally. Although I'm absolutely, utterly frightened by snakes. So I don't like this analogy, but here we go. Be shrewd as snakes. What does that mean? Well, Jesus kind of modeled this when um, the Pharisees came to him and tried to trick him. They came and they said, they were, they were thinking, how can we kill this guy? And so they got, they figured, well, we'll just get Caesar after him, right? And so they said, hey, Jesus, is it, is it lawful to pay taxes under Caesar? Is that what we should do? And Jesus is aware, he knows what's going on. And he says, well, what, what's on the coin? You know, oh, it's a picture of Caesar, Caesar, Caesar. It's a, pic, it's a picture of Caesar, and he says, 
Well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to the Lord what's the Lord's. That is being, as, that's being shrewd. That's being resourceful. That's not inflammatory. It's just he, he knew how to do that. Paul says this, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. When you go out, pay attention, be resourceful. How did Paul know who was weak and who was strong? How did he know who the Jew was or the the Greek? Oh, that was obvious. But how did he know to become all things to all men? He had to pay attention. He had to be resourceful. Okay, that guy, he's really into this. Okay, that good. So I can, what? Win more souls so that I can present the gospel in a way that that people understand. I want to be shrewd as a snake. Paul actually modeled this. He shows up in Athens and he's waiting for his friends. And it says... That as he was walking around Athens, his spirit was provoked when he looked around and saw all the idols. His spirit was, what he was doing was he was being shrewd. He was looking around at the culture going, man, they got a lot of idols. And the spirit began to provoke. Now, that doesn't mean he got mad. How dare these people have idols? There's only one true God. No, he started going, oh, man, this is an opportunity. This is a great opportunity. And so what happened was he was he was sharing his faith and sharing the gospel, sharing about the kingdom in the synagogues and in the marketplace. And someone says, hey, I'd like you to go to this place called the Areopagus. And it's a place where we all get together. And the scriptures say all they did was sit around and try to tell each other something new. (laughs) It's it's like a think tank kind of right. And so Paul shows up and he goes, hey, man of Athens, I, I see you're very religious. As I'm walking around, I see all these idols and there's an idol to the unknown God. Let me tell you about the unknown God. He's shrewd. He's, he's resourceful. And so as we go into our lives and we see the people around us, we have to be resourceful, shrewd as snakes. What, what's, what's their culture like? What do they like to do? What, what's going on? I, I personally believe, this isn't scriptural, but I, I personally believe that as Christians, we should know as much as we can about what's going on in the world. You know, obviously to the extent that we don't, well, we'll get to this, but, you know, no, no politics, no what's going on with the economy. No, don't get so bent out of shape with politics that you, it becomes your God, but just know what's going on. No world affairs, read, these things are important. Why? So we can be resourceful. So we have something that we can say, oh, this matches right up with scripture or this goes against scripture. And here's what I'm going to do. So Paul does this. And look what happened. Some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and they believed. Among them was Dionysius. I practiced that one this morning. Yes, nailed it. Uh, A member of the Areopagus and a woman named Demarius. Demarius. Doggone. Nuts. Missed that one. And a number of others. What happens? Paul goes around. He looks at the culture. He's in the marketplace. He's in the synagogue. He's talking to people. He's gathering information. Shrewd as snakes. Now, what what's up with the snake part? Well, I started doing some reading on some snakes, and this is a tropical rat snake. The reason I know is because there was a big thing right next to it that said tropical rat snake. And so I put it up there like pretending that I would ever know what that was if I'd seen it in the wild, which if I see that in the wild, I'm gone. Okay, I'm I'm gone. Uh, So 
check this out about snakes. It's very fascinating the way God set all this up. They don't see very well. Some of them see better than others, but they have their tongue that goes out and it's forked. You know, we speak with forked tongue or whatever, you know, whatever the thing. So the, the forks go out. And what happens is when that tongue goes out and the forks go out, air particles attach to the tongue. It's gathering information. Then its tongue goes back in and there's a thing called the Jacob. I think it's called the Jacobson's organ. I had to write it down because I for those of you who like snakes. But yeah, Jacobson's organ. It comes in and on the roof of its mouth are two little slots and it goes in and like downloads the data from the air particles. I have to speak in terms of computers because that's all I understand. And, And goes into his tiny little snake brain and he makes a decision. So it, the tongue goes out, and, and it's amazing. Some snakes, their tongue can sense a change in temperature by 0. 0.002 degrees Fahrenheit. Two one-thousandths of a degree Fahrenheit. So their little tongue goes out, and on this part of the tongue is a little less rat odor than on this part of the tongue. And so it goes in. downloads the data and goes, oh man, there's more rat odor over here. I'm going to go over here. And then the tongue comes out and goes like that. Gathering data all the time. Shrewd. It's vital to its survival that it understands its surroundings. And so that tongue keeps going out. We have to be like that. Like, okay, right? We have to be ready. We're talking to someone. Ooh, you know, gather data, put it in up here, Right? We have, to be, we have to be gathering data. And then what do we do? We put it up into our Jacobson's little thing, which is the word and prayer. And we go, what, do you, what should I do? How should I react? Should I go over here? Should I go over there? Should I stop talking to this guy? How does, how does this match up with scripture and prayer? We're shrewd that way. I, I, um, I was at the park last Sunday night and I was talking to a neighbor and we started talking and um, we got on the conversation of the Ten Commandments, miraculously. And um, he says, yeah, I like the Ten Commandments, but I don't like the rest of the Bible. That's kind of, if we just did the Ten Commandments, we, we, wouldn't we all be fine as a society? And I'm like, well, that's why God gave us the Ten Commandments is, yeah, that's all we had at first. And then we couldn't do it. And we keep messing up. That's our problem. Right. So we start talking. Well, the conversation is going back and forth. I would probably talk to him for seven minutes, maybe, maybe 10. But I, I know, I know that he's a libertarian. I know he's from Poland. I know that he studied law. I know that he's got two girls and a boy. The one girl goes to Pacifica, one goes to Bell. I know he loves dogs. I know he's got a brother in Germany who's a, a priest and he was just out to visit. I know that he's on disability and that he got into an, uh, uh, an, uh, a terrible accident at his work about eight years ago. And he's just now getting to where he can walk okay. I know that his wife doesn't say anything bad about people. I know that he knows almost every single other neighbor in my, ha- uh, in my neighborhood. And I know that he knows how much I paid for my house. <laughs> Oh, and I also know he cut a tumor out of his dog's leg in his garage. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> now, 
Now, why do I say this? I, 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 didn't, I almost didn't want to tell this story because it makes it look like, you know, we have to gather data like I did on Sunday, you know? <laughs> I don't mean that at all, okay? I, 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 so I did something good for once. Yay for Pastor John, okay? My point is that now I have all this data. While he was talking, I was getting it all up in there. And I was learning it all. And measuring it with scripture. Okay, he's from Poland. Does that mean anything? Okay, he studied law. Oh, okay, well, we have the law, but the law has been replaced with Jesus, right? I just log it all away. Now, when I read the paper, if I see something on Poland, it interests me. Oh, man, you know, I say, hey, did you see they got a new prime minister? I don't know what Poland has, a prime minister or whatever. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. Being resourceful. Now, the problem with being resourceful. Oh, by the way, uh, this is awesome. For those of you who think that snakes are as scared of us as we are, because that's typically what people say, you know, they're as scared of you as you are of them. That's, first of all, impossible. Uh, uh, I don't think you could have as much fear, but I came across this fact. Look at this. See if I can get it up there. Yeah. No, I'm not just as scared of you as you are of me. He's saying it right there. Okay, let's move on. That was late last night, by the way, that I did that. Okay, so we're shrewd as snakes, but that's resourceful. But then the other side of that is we have to be an example. Because what happens is as we get into culture and we start learning, it becomes cool to know all this stuff and to learn what the next fad is and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. You know, at school, when you're in school and the kids start talking about different sexual stuff and jokes and they know all this and all that. If you're at a party and people are drinking or smoking this or doing whatever. All of a sudden now there's another side of that. Be innocent as doves. Okay, that word innocent means to remain unmixed, pure. See, what happens is we... As Christians, we we get into the culture and we understand and we forget the part of being separate. It's fine to know all about what's going on or whatever. And but once it starts influencing your life and changing it and 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 thrashing your ability to present the gospel, it's wrong. So it might be all great. Oh, man, I'm hanging out with these non-Christians and they accept me and this is cool. And, you know, they're going to see I'm going to they're going to see how much I love them later. You know, this is it's all going to come around. Innocent as doves, pure, unmixed. Well, can you do that? Yeah, you can do it. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 16. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Watch what he says. I'm rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise, shrewd in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The fact that you know every what the latest drink is at the bar, that might be fine. But if you're knocking them back with a bunch of non-believers and your life doesn't look any different, you have a chance of shrinking your net down. Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining or arguing. Why? Listen to this. So that you may become blameless. It's the same word, innocent and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. I love the worship song we sing. You, you know, we shine like stars in the universe, proclaiming the hope of our God. That's it. That's us. We're light. They do it on key, but 
I, that's okay. We're lights. We shine like stars in the universe. So we gather information and we're resourceful. And then we say, okay, that doesn't match up with scripture. That doesn't match up with scripture. Lord, do you want me to do this? No. Okay, great, good. And here we are. Innocent and blameless. Different. Different. Okay, so we're shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. Paul wrote a letter to Corinth. Paul was never very that happy with the church at Corinth. And in, uh, he wrote a church and he, he, was, he was getting upset with them. And he said, for you being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. Like, What are you guys doing? Why, why are you putting up with all this stuff? And I'm telling you, you, we can be in the world and not of it. We can. We have the power of God to do that. And so we have this, this dichotomy of being shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. At some point, we need to be separate. Now watch what happens. Now it starts going south because Jesus is like, hey, be shrewd as snakes. Yes, okay. And be innocent as doves. So we watch we, we see what the world, what's going on in the world. We're up to date. We got it. We're looking at what people say. And we're saying, how does that match with scripture? And when it doesn't, we reject it. And that brings us to our next point. Stay alert. Because after you're shrewd as a snake, once you claim the innocent as dove, once you say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remain spotless, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local ch- councils and flog you in their synagogues on my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. That Greek word is to be in a state of alert. You know, you ever watch um, war? Remember that movie War Games? For those of you who are younger, I apologize. It was really, it, at the time, it was like, ooh, but now I saw it on part of it on cable. And it's really poorly done. Um, <laughs> but at the time, it was awesome. But, you know, they, they had the DEFCON. You know, DEFCON 1, DEFCON 2. And that's how you know, oh, DEFCON 5 is nuclear war is imminent. I think they still have that. I don't know what it's called, but now it's a terrorist threat and it's on red or whatever like that. Lisa and I were driving up to Oregon and uh, and every sign we saw said fire threat extreme. Like I've never seen ever. And if you've seen it, give me a picture. Fire threat. None. It's always extreme. It could be pouring rain. It's rained for 20 days straight. Eight feet of water. Fire extreme. Fire danger. Extreme. Okay? And I'm thinking, dude, just either take the sign down and just say it's always extreme. That's how God wants us to live. Alert. Always in a state of alertness. Fire danger. Extreme. Always. Ah, oh, but I'm just, all I'm doing is extreme. Be on your guard. This is a common theme. So now the disciples, the poor disciples, they've gone from healing the sick and all this stuff to putting curses on cities and praying that they get leveled to now men are going to hand them over to the local councils and flog them in their synagogues. Jesus talked about this before. He said, watch out for false prophets. Remember, we talked about this in Matthew chapter seven. They come to you in sheep's clothing, which is as a false shepherd. They come to you in the clothing of sheep, which is what shepherds would wear. You got to watch out. Inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. First Corinthians 6.13 says this. Be on your guard. I'm going to do four real fast here. So pay attention. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful. 
and, thank, and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. And then finally, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we're resourceful like a serpent. We're gathering information, but we're innocent. We take that information and we either embrace it and figure out a way to present the gospel or we utterly reject it. And when we reject it, and say, you know what? That's a lifestyle that's going to be damaging to you. We better be on the alert because this is coming. Fourthly, we're to be calm. So you're on the alert, but that doesn't mean you're all freaked out all the time. Sometimes I, and again, I'm not come. If you sent me an email. Okay. Okay. Sometimes we get too alert and we're just freaking out over all this stuff happening, different things around the world and different things. Or we come home from school and we're like, oh, I can't. Or we come home from work. They said this to me is all crazy. You know, ah. Be calm. Look what he says. But when they arrest you, this, the, I mean, can you imagine if you're the disciple and you're like, he says, you know, and you're going to wipe him out like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so you're Peter and you turn to James and you're like, oh, yeah, dude, I'll tell you one thing. There's that one city down there. I would love. And Jesus is still talking. And all of a sudden you like perk back up and he goes, and when they arrest you. Yeah, Jesus, can you go back a little bit? Because we just went from me leveling a city like Sodom and Gomorrah to me being arrested. What? Where was that? You know what I mean? These poor guys. But Jesus says, dude, I'm not holding any punches. When you get arrested, don't worry about what you're going to say or how to say it. Right. I am going to worry about it. He says, don't do it. Now, listen to this, guys. This is so rich what the word says here. At that time, you will be given what to say. Now, listen, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You will speak the very words of God. If you shut up. Because I can't talk. If I'm talking, God's not talking through me. Especially if you're a teacher. You know, sometimes when I teach, I'll get ahead of myself. And all of a sudden, it's me talking. And the Lord's going, dude, okay, when you get done with this, I got some stuff to say. This is what happens. You get into a situation where all of a sudden, you're alert. And what's going to happen here? The Lord will give you the words to say. But sometimes we get to where we're yakking. And the Lord's like, yeah, right, if you just waiting and, you're, boop, 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 boop. and then I couldn't believe what happened. And she said this. And, yeah, well, if <laughs> you know what I mean, you ever have that? I have my father-in-law does that all the time. I, he was over last night. I hope he gets the podcast because. Uh, <clears throat> well, he ate a lot of my food, so it was like <laughs> have to get him back somehow. Right. But do you want to speak the very words of God? You want to be used by God in a way where you're actually saying when you're talking to your neighbor, you are actually speaking God's words to him. Do you realize what a responsibility that is that we carry with us? That we have the ability to stop God from speaking because we're speaking. Now, next time you're in a conversation at work or at school or in your house, or at your, in, talking to a neighbor, think to yourself, am I just yakking here? Does the Lord want me to say something? Or let's say you're in a conflict 
which is what this verse is really talking about. When you get arrested, you get a bad situation. How do you remain calm in that situation and listen to what God would have you say? It's a tremendous responsibility. We all know this next verse. I almost didn't want to put it up there, but we need to see it again, again, again. Be anxious for nothing, okay? But in everything by prayer and supplication, prayer and and asking with thanksgiving, Lord, what would, this situation stinks. I'm being wrongly accused or whatever. And the first thing we want to do is go, that's not, no, I didn't say that. What I meant was, Lord, what would you have me do? Thank you that you're going to give me the words to say. You're going to get me out of this. So there's a sense of alert. See, see how they kind of go hand in hand. There's being resourceful and understanding the culture around us, but being separate. There's being alert and cautious, but not being fearful, being calm, not being anxious. We went over this in Matthew. I like bringing scriptures back from what we've already studied in Matthew. So we can see Jesus was already amping up for this. So don't worry, but seek first what? His kingdom. Always goes back to his kingdom and his righteousness being blameless. All these things will take care of themselves. God is never going to leave you or forsake you. I don't know what situation you're in right now in your marriage or in your house or fi- I mean, the, 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 the market is just going nuts. It's going crazy. It's like it doesn't know what would go down or up or whatever. Now, you might have a 401k that just one day you're jumping up and down. You're ready to retire. And the other day you're ready to think, oh, if I work till I'm 74, maybe I can make it. God's got it. He's got it. He do not lose sight of this kingdom no matter what's happening. I know it's hard. I do it all the time. I mess up and I start getting focused down here and the Lord's going, dude, come on, come on. Bring it up here. Bring it up here. And it goes to our last point here. Be healthy. You say, what, what in the world does healthy mean? Well, I had to find an H. <clears throat> but here's what I mean. Now, okay, so Peter figures out, okay, so... We're not going to really be knocking out cities. We're going to be persecuted. We're going out as sheep. And then Jesus says, you know what? Basically, all men will hate you. (laughs) So have a great missions trip. (laughs) Right? All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Listen, Jesus doesn't end this. We're going to keep going in what he's saying. But in this section, Jesus is saying, no matter what happens, you're still going. And you get persecuted, flee to the next thing. It's not working out. This person, I have a neighbor that I'm pretty sure, unless the Lord tells me, I'm not, I probably won't reach. So I don't, I'm not going to spend all my time with him. I love him and I'll do whatever, you know, whatever. I'm not, but, but they say, look, if, if it's not working out, go to the next city. The king, there's none, there's no time for that. And you know what happens sometimes to us? We get injured. We get persecuted in one city, you know, in our, and we just stay there all the time trying to seek justice. You know, we're in our work and things are going and everyone's making fun of us. We're like, you know what? You know, and we're talking to the boss and they just keep, I'm trying to work. You know, I do a lot of stuff around here and they don't, you know, and then these guys are just goofing off. Instead of just like, get out, forget it, go. 
Let it go. That's kind of being emotionally healthy. Of going, well, you know, the Lord warned me, everyone was going to hate me. So, no shock here, right? Just go to the next city. Why? Because it's all about the kingdom. You won't stop going from city to city until the Son of Man comes. Now, what's happening here is that Jesus is prophesying. A lot of times in the Bible, what a prophet would do is he'd go to a dude and say, hey, guess what? And he'd, he'd give him a prophecy about them, but it would be a prophecy that would actually come true like 400 years later. Mike, Mike had, later, Micah did that. And and uh, and so Jesus is David would do that. He'd 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 be talking in the first person about himself, but he's prophesying about the Messiah. Right. This is what Jesus is doing here, because when they came back from their missions trip, they weren't flogged. They didn't go before governors. They came back rejoicing, going, Jesus, even the demons listened to me. They were stoked. This is for us and for the next generation and for the next generation and for the next generation until the Lord comes which I believe is going to be soon as these things unfold. He's saying, deal with it. It's about the kingdom. They, this kingdom wars with weapons that you're not going to war with. So you're going to get hit. You're going to get insulted. You're going to get, but you're operating up here. The weapons you fight with are not of this, this world. And you've got the power to do it. We're going to, I want to show you one last verse. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. We are in love. We are in love. We are in love. We are in love. We are in love.